Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. James here. Just before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know that we're taking our live podcast on the road to Dublin on Sunday, the 21st of May. It's a Sunday evening. It's a nice, intimate gig, about 180 people, and the tickets are gone. So um, we sold out the Opera House a couple of weeks ago, 1,000 people, great night, and we got to meet people afterwards, say hi, and for photos and stuff. But because the Sugar Club is a smaller venue, we should have more time to meet with people afterwards and maybe we'll have an opportunity to take questions and stuff. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Um, it's the uh, first Dublin gig and yeah, very exciting to see um, see how it goes and hopefully, hopefully we'll see some Cork people that I haven't seen for a while that are living in Dublin and make some new friends while we're up there as well, some of our Dublin followers. So um, hope to see you there. The tickets are available on the Ticketmaster website. So, without further ado, I'll introduce you to this podcast, which is focused around further education, and we have the testimonies of two people who went through to university via further education. So, myself and Timmy did, and as you guys know, we're very passionate about education. So, if you're thinking about maybe changing career or changing your life even, um, and you're thinking about education, but you're not maybe confident enough to go straight into university, then maybe further education college is the way to go. So if you're interested in that, have a listen to these stories and uh, have a great weekend. God bless. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two and podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. We're down in Radio Kerry. Mm. Grand little gaff told him, isn't it? Fine spot here. <laughs> yeah. We're just we're admiring the studio they have here for the last hour, I'd say, are we? Yeah, yeah we, want, set up. yeah. we wanted to come down to Kerry and record a couple of podcasts uh, emphasising education so Teresa our friend in Kerry College got us two guests and our first one is Lisa O'Flaherty how are you? I'm good thank you is that a beautiful English accent you have? it is it's naturally <laughs> my English friends would say it's a bit of an Irish twang with it now these days But yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah so how's the farm with you today? good uh, nice to get out of the office for a bit and do something different yeah because you're working in, in, in Kerry ETB so, yeah so uh, Kerry ETB is part of well Kerry College is part of Kerry ETB yeah. So I'm in their head office there doing um, PR and events. And you've come through Kerry College yourself? I did. It was a long time ago. Um, it was, I think, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. I did a level five um, course 
inside and what was it? It was just Kerry TB then. Mm. But it was um, something that I hadn't done because I'd left college when I, I'd left school at 16 in London and gone straight to work because I was just, yeah. all I wanted to do is have money to buy well, clothes pa- and go out. I'm part of England <laughs> yeah. if I'm London. Yeah. Yeah. Harrow, yeah. So who's the football team near your house? Well, it isn't the one near my house that I support. We're oh, at West Ham. controversial. <laughs> I must have run near your house. <laughs> The one nearest my house. I don't know. Would it be Watford, which isn't a Premiership oh, team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I have a fellow West Ham supporter. Yeah. 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 I know. Timmy's the only West Ham supporter I know. <laughs> but West Ham were probably one of the biggest clubs back in the 60s, 70s. They were. Well, yeah. my dad first moved to London. Um, he used to watch West Ham from a, next, a block of flats next door. He used to be able to watch the right. game. So that's why he started supporting West Ham and he took me. As a child, so actually, there's a team in London, Leighton Orient, yeah, and and Leighton Orient, and on the corner flags, there's a block of flats in each oh, really? of the corners, you know, and the stadium is built in around it. Yeah, it's a mad stadium. But uh, what was it like growing up for you? What was London like? Um, London, um, do you didn't get the same freedom as you did here? Because I grew up a bit here as well in Listow, so I would have lived in London and spent my summers back here in Ireland because my dad's from Listow originally. Um, so my parents would have owned pubs in London, so I'd have had a pretty big playground, really, to be spoiled and people mm. giving you bags of sweets and drink, nicking bottles of crisps and bottles, yeah. bags of crisps and bottles of coke or whatever. Yeah. But it wasn't the same. Like I always loved Ireland because I used to love coming back here for my summer holidays, going to the beach and being out with my cousins and the freedom that you got here. Mm. It's very different. The countryside is, is it, there's just something about it, particularly Kerry. Yeah. Kerry is one of the most beautiful spots on the planet, not just in Ireland. It's... The, the views down around here are spectacular, but is your mother f- from Ireland as well? My mum was born in London, but her parents are from the store as well. Okay, so... So it's a big connection. In, in London, you were probably there during the school years and back here then for the summers. For the that summer holidays been, all the time. That must have been... Uh, there must have been great memories, wouldn't it? Oh, it was, but then I look back now and I remember being kind of put on a plane at Heathrow. You used to have this little badge around your neck and the air hostess used to bring you off the other side and your family used to pick you up. Like my daughter's 11 now and I couldn't imagine her doing, me putting her on a plane. <laughs> yeah, so, but no, I did it. I love, And I loved coming over and stay for the six weeks and I had no mobile phones to be ringing and texting them every day and yeah. it's just things have changed a lot. They have changed, yeah. yeah. You reminded me there, uh, I would have spent so a lot of time in Dublin when I was a kid, you know, mm. on summer holidays and midterm breaks and stuff like that. But I've memories of my dad put me on the train, he sitting me next to a nun or somebody, <laughs> and like then my uncle clicked me and never, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't do that in this day and age, yeah. would you? Oh, so my daughter said she went to go up to the garage the other day, and where she like she would walk down from school sometimes, but thinking of her crossing that main road to the other side, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I, do I would get in planes. Do you think we're too protective of of our kids today? As in years ago, I remember when we were kids. We'd go out, you could be six, seven, eight yeah. years of age, you'd go out in the street and you wouldn't be back in that door till that night. But I think the world's a different place and we yeah. know more now. Yeah. I think like there was things that didn't maybe get spoken about that happened and dangers that didn't get spoken about that happened and we more knowledgeable about knowledgeable about that now. Yeah, yeah. So we're more cautious then, I think. But um, sometimes I know I can be a little bit overprotective because she's an only child and she's my... My pride and joy, so I probably can be, but sure, you have to spoil them at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What was school like for you? School was good. I was a pretty good student up to when I was, went to secondary school. I didn't get to go to the secondary school I wanted to go to. Um, and my parents also, at one point, thought they were going to send me to a private secondary school. So they got me a tutor. So when I went into secondary school, I was a little bit advanced and a little bit bored. Didn't get to go to the school I wanted to, so... 
wasn't the, exactly the model student in mm. secondary school. And did you rebel then because of those reasons in, in secondary? Not so much rebel. I don't think any of my teachers would have had anything bad, but I just wasn't really engaged that much and just didn't, I just found it all a bit of a chore. I just mm. wasn't interested if I had somewhere else to be that I felt was more important. <laughs> Quite frequently, yeah. I'd be gone. That transition is, is happens to a lot of people, doesn't it? From the, the step up from primary school here in Ireland. I don't know what the, the name would have... What's high, primary high school, is it? So we have, yeah, we have primary. They call it middle school middle then school. when you get to a certain age and then it's secondary. But the step up <clears throat> secondary is tough. It's a tough integration. Yeah. Yeah. You're going... Like you're in there, you're baby, you're, you're minded by the teachers. Now you're going into secondary, you have six or seven different teachers in one day. You know, there's not one of them really kind of can see it mostly. And you're going in there as well. And you're, you're mingling with people who are four and five years older than you. And a lot mm. of them are doing things like that could have been my drink and, and drugs well. and stuff like yeah. that. And you're looking up to them and you start giving them respect. Yeah. I know that was, that was one of the main reasons I started dabbling at a young age was because... I started hearing about these things and I looked at the lads that were older than me, they're cool, you know, a lot of them were into joyriding as well yeah. and, you know, so, like, that kind of transition yeah. has a lot to do with, with the kind of, yeah. Yeah, we're coming in your, your puberty years and the awkward teenage years and then moving schools and then if it, if, if it wasn't the school yeah. you wanted and... Yeah. Or did you finish it up or did oh, you leave yeah, earlier? Oh, school and, like, I think my problem was I could adapt to things like I could like if I had to get something done I could get it done I didn't have to study for weeks and end and so I was fortunate in that way like I could pick things up quick enough and I could do just enough to get by and get away with it mm. so I didn't have to I could go through school with minimum effort and still stay under the radar yeah. slightly mm. not to get in trouble too much mm. because if I needed to go write an essay the night before it was due or do an assignment <laughs> I just I could manage yeah. to get it done so what you do after school I went to work in, I thought I wanted to be a florist initially <laughs> and uh, I did do that for a little bit and then I was working in Selfridges in Oxford Street in the designer shoe department so I loved that. Yeah. You know, women in designer shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did that for a while and then I got into recruitment so that's where kind of my career started I suppose. Mm. I was an administrator and one of the recruitment consultants very early on was off sick long term and I just said I'll do it. Let me do it and jumped on her desk and I did that for years. I had like 120 staff out a day. The desk was probably, that was in, God, that was over 20 years ago. Mm. And um, the, the desk was making a profit of like 5,000 a week. So it's a pretty big job for someone yeah. in the uh, early 20s, late, was yeah. it 1920? Um, but yeah, so I did that for a long time and I learned lots doing it. So, but it was a very work hard, play hard career like recruitment was in those days, that's what everybody did. You worked really hard, you got your bonuses, everyone went out after work every day. Mm. It was um, a fast-paced life, I suppose. And that was probably the 90s, so was this, It could have been around then, yeah. yeah. They were mad enough times, <laughs> weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I know they were back here in Cork, any of me. And what age when you had your kid? I didn't have Ruby till I was 34. Okay, so did you work like in recruitment for your audiences? <clears throat> no, I did work for a lot and then I decided that I'd kind of fell into that career even though I did well at it. I felt like I'd fallen into it. So I did um, a financial exams, they're called FPC exams, to qualify me to do financial stuff. So I ended up doing mortgages um, and 
that for a few years. So, and I enjoyed that as well. I like I liked the target-driven environments, mm. and I liked and they were well paid. They like the bonuses and the money and the holidays and the lifestyle and all you know all that kind of stuff. But they're both they're both tough careers that you just didn't work five nine to five. Yeah, yeah. Like in recruitment, I was it was industrial, so I was in the office at six in the morning. So by the time I was thirty, I practically felt like I was ready to burn out, mm. and that's. I think we're the very impulsive decision to move to Ireland within a week. Oh, well, okay. from. Just up the yeah. left. Yeah. Well, more, I had my notes in and everything. I wasn't that yeah, bad, but yeah. I was, it was very, no, I don't want to do this anymore. But in England in general, I was over there recently um, for a trip and I found it so fast paced. Everything was so quick. Mm -hmm. like it is, yeah. Everything, you know, people walking on the streets. Everything was like people were so stressed and beeping and you know and then I came back here uh, to Cork and I was like whoa you could feel the difference in the energy uh, you know the ambience it was yeah. much more relaxed you know it, it just felt like it was just like a hundred miles and all like people were running around in speed yeah, yeah. over there it's just fast paced. Well, my daughter's eleven and we were only talking the other day and she was like would you live back in London and I said like, if I won millions in the lottery I'd have a nice apartment there but yeah. I don't think I'd live there full time. I said, would you want to live there? And she's like, no, I prefer it here. She just like, she loves going over for the visit, but um, it's just, you get tired. It's just, I find it quite exhausting being back there now with the hustle mm. and bustle of everything. I just got used to a different way of life. And what was your pathway through education then? How did you end up coming back into further education? Is you looking for opportunities back here, is it? Yeah, well, I was here and I was working. And then um, when I, I had my daughter then, um, and I was off work. I was at, off for about a year with her. She was about turn, she was turning one, and in that year, my life had changed a lot. So, I'd been with her dad a couple of years, and the relationship kind of started to break down during the pregnancy. So, when she got to about eight months old, it just wasn't a healthy environment for any of us to be in. And we decided then that you know that it was just better to part ways. It wasn't an environment that I wanted a child being brought up in. Because my parents should have probably divorced a good few years before they did, <laughs> and so I knew what it was like. So I, we made. So she was about eight months old when we split up, and I found it difficult because I never, nobody ever sets out. I think to be a single parent, and it was a lot to deal with. But also for the first time in my life, I hadn't really, I hadn't worked. Well, I had work, so my work for years had been my sense of purpose. Yeah. And that was then gone. And obviously being a mum's a fantastic sense of purpose, but it's a massive adjustment between that and the breakdown of the relationship. And I found things very difficult um, with my mental health. Like I'd never really been a worrier or anxious before and all that kind of crept in. And obviously when you have kids, you worry about them, but all this is really new to me at that point. So I, a friend of mine was going doing the level five in social care. And I'd always liked the idea of psychology and I started looking up actually a psychology degree in Limerick and I was like, I'm sure I can't do that. And anyway, I can't get there, it's too far away and I can't afford it. And you know, all these excuses we tell ourselves so that we don't do something. Yeah. And I went to Clash, which which is now Kerry College, Clash Road, um, and did a level five in social care with the intention of getting out of the house and meeting some people. And that was it. I didn't even care whether I passed the course or not, to be honest. Yeah, that was yeah. that, that was about all I went in with a focus on. And did you enjoy it? I absolutely loved it. What was the best thing about it? Um, the sense of achievement from actually realising that I could actually do something, like getting my first distinction on an assignment. I was like, 
okay, I can actually do this. Because I'd been out of education since I was 16 and then I was about 35 when when I went back. What age age was the profile in general in the class? Much younger. Yeah, that was my experience too. You feel a little bit like, at the start, a little bit out of place. I definitely felt out of place. (laughs) (laughs) There was a probably, it probably wasn't as bad as some courses because social care attracts some older students. But there was people who just left school as well. Do you know that course because you were going through your own issues mm-hmm. in life as well. Were there modules in that course help you understand that what was going on for you as Absolutely, well? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and started, like, light bulbs started going off yeah. in your head then. And even more so, um, let's jump on a bit, when I did psychology as part of my degree, they actually say, like, everything we're going to talk about in this, you're going to think, I know, that that's me, or that's someone I know, or yeah, that's like, yeah. they like, try not to do it. But um, it, do, it does make you give you another understanding but also when you have to write essays on the research you have to do and look at into things and, and I suppose social care makes you look at yourself and society a bit as well mm. so you do get an understanding of things probably a bit too much sometimes because then like people might do something bad and I'm always the one to go oh but you don't know what they've been through mm. do you know <laughs> or else you become aware of like wider injustices that you have no power to change and then yeah. that can be you know you have to try to find like how we actually try to accept, uh, like we we say we're in recovery and we say the serenity prayer, you have to learn to accept the things you cannot change mm-hmm. and the courage to change the things yeah. you can. Yeah. And social care is a bit like that. Yeah. You're addressing a symptom of a child in care or somebody in a residential unit or whatever. And um, like you're a little tiny little cog in a huge system mm-hmm. and you might have that one individual. But you have to just focus on the little wins that you get. Yeah. Because if you think about the huge issues in the society, it can be very disheartening. Yeah. Know? Definitely. You said you did psychology there. Where did you go? Well, I didn't do it. I went on to do the degree in the IT Tralee. So I went on. And again, like, I didn't think I could do it. And if it wasn't for Tressa, who brought us, brought us in here today, I would never have done it. But I. Why? What, what, what did she say or do? She, was, she gave me fantastic support through the course. There was a couple of occasions where I'd come in with just life problems and she was always there to help me. But then there was, um, when I got my results, so when they, was, they opened, I was on at the college and she was like, You're capable, you can do it. I was like, No, I can't, I can't. And the CEO application, you can do it. Go up to that college now or I'm actually going to drag you up. I think the words are something around that. Um, and I just because I felt like I couldn't do it, and she's like, "You are more than capable mm. to do it," mm. and she really pushed me to make sure that I did it. And without that, I wouldn't have gone and done it because you no, know, it wasn't my intention. I still, even though I got the sense of achievement from doing that level five, I still didn't have the belief in myself that I could go and get a degree. Sometimes we need people in our lives to, to just give us that extra push, don't we? Yeah, you know, because sometimes we mightn't have the belief in ourselves. And that person is put there like to just push you over the line. I had a few people like that as well. I, on numerous occasions, I felt like it was it was too much for me. Yeah, you know, it, it was like because what was happening for me when I when I came across information that was difficult for me to understand, mm-hmm. I'd start panicking. I'd get anxious, and I didn't really know how to how to explain what was going on for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I do. But at the time, I was just, I had this voice in my head that was just telling me that I was stupid, I was thick, there was something wrong with my brain because of all the drugs that I've taken in the past. But it's very, very important that you surround yourself with people. For any mature student out there that's thinking of going back to the college and they don't, they don't think that they'll be good enough or able for it, 
make sure the minute you get into the colleges you ask for help and that's what you yeah. done wasn't it yeah and um when, when i've met trust and doing my level five she could kind of see when there was things wrong ask was i right or there was just a couple of things at the time she worked um i think she was a counselor as well at the time with the, so i asked her it's something not to do with school or teaching it was something to do with social welfare they actually were trying to stop my social welfare payment because i didn't receive a maintenance payment from my daughter's dad and at the time i was it was just things weren't communicating well between us that i was going to go and take him to court and get one because i didn't there was just i didn't want the whole drama and there was just things that needed to mm. happen and not happen so she just helped me with that made a phone call and supported me and that kept me there again because if they'd stopped my payment i wouldn't be able to get to college it's amazing. So, and that wasn't the only, like, she wasn't the only person in my years at college that did something like that. And there was people who I was fortunate enough, cared enough to ask what was wrong, and them doing that kept me in college. And you eventually went down to university, or to IT? Yeah, to the IT Chile. So I did the the three-year um, degree there. And even in my first term there, another incident, I was I had no money for oil in the tank. It was coming up to Christmas. I'd been crying. I wasn't going to come back. And one of the lecturers spotted me and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't come back. I have no money to put oil in the tank. Because I don't know, it was about 220 euros a week. I was getting and 65 was going to the creche, which is the fantastic facility on site that my daughter was in there. I could drop her off at half eight to leave her there till, I don't know, it was at half five, six, but I'd actually stay in college the day and get my work done as well. But um, then it's, I don't know, was it 30 euros in diesel? So, and whatever was left between rent and food and mm. whatever else, you could barely scrape by. Mum used to cook me dinner a couple of nights a week, you know, but... It took some determination. Yeah. Well, the first year I didn't do any part-time work because Ruby was too small. So it was really hard the first year. But I that day when the lecturer spotted that it was Pat McCarthy spotted that I was upset and he asked me what was wrong and I said, and he said, you need to go and see um, student supports. And there's a lovely lady, Valerie Moore, there. And I went in and I was like, oh, and I don't know how many students she must see crying. <laughs> but um, I was like, I can't say. And she's like, are you paying, what, show me what you're paying out. And childcare is a cost that they can help with in some form of way. And a certain fund, I can't remember the name of it now, but... Student Assistant Fund. I think it might be, yeah. yeah. But um, they were able to... I gave them my receipts for the childcare and they were able to give me a cheque then and that was able to put oil into the tank and get us through the winter. And take yeah, some worry off you and some yeah, stress and, and pressure. Yeah, and kept me in college, Because without that, I wouldn't have kept... I wouldn't have kept in college. Like, I remember that first year, you make an excuse not to go into the canteen at lunchtime, say, oh, I'm going studying because you didn't have the money to buy something. Mm. I, I can completely relate to it. I, I remember my wife was the only one working at the time and I was in college. I was in uh, CIT's MTU now and financially we were strapped and we were down to maybe every week we'd be down to maybe 20 euros after everything was paid out because she had her own part-time job with two young children and I was in, in college full-time. And I wasn't able to work because I, I, I was, it was extra hard for me, you know, because I was dyslexic and I was only learning for the first time in my life. And it was very difficult, you know, but you do get there in the end, you know, you do get there if you push hard enough. James, you know what it's like as well, like yeah. in, in college, there's no income mm -hmm. there. Like in, the reason I'm saying this is, is, is so college isn't turned off by anybody if they haven't got it financially. Yeah. And that's the thing, I would have thought, 
I didn't know the system in Ireland and not everybody does know any system anywhere, but like I didn't know that there were supports for people like me as a single parent. There was a way that my feed. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. were paid and so I didn't know that existed until someone made I didn't know where to find the information somebody gave that information to me to encourage me to go to college go no you don't have to worry about that so so that because in England you don't have that option or you didn't back then anyway I don't know if you do now but Mm. so I wasn't aware of it at all so to get that was massive and then like people think oh three years or four years at college it went so quickly it was just assignment to a silent you know, term. It's so term. busy, isn't it? Like yeah. you put your head into the books in September before you come up for air, it's May. Yeah. And then, it's, isn't it? <laughs> and, but it is tough financially. And I remember, like, my wife would have been working at the time. I was on the back to education allowance, 200 euros. But, uh, and I remember doing my master's and the one that stands out to me, I remember doing my master's and you've uh, three semesters so before Christmas, after Christmas, and then the summer as well. So it's mm-hmm. 12 months through. And I remember being in the library over in UCC and my friends were going to the beach and stuff on a you know, Friday morning or something if they were off work. And I was thinking to me, what are you doing? Like, you're in an arse your pants. You're in the library here. Like, we're always focusing on the long-term goal, you know, mm-hmm. that it's going to be worth it. Yeah. In the end, I get yeah. my graduation and nobody can ever take that from me. Yeah. And that's what it takes, a master's or an honours degree or a degree. It takes determination yeah. and resilience to get through it and that's an understanding true. that it's not always going to be like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it does get better. And you, it, it, there's another side to it as well. Education is very important as well. Mm-hmm. It opens up our mind to so many different things in yeah. life. You know, I know it did with me and if I didn't go back to education, I wouldn't have the vocabulary I, I, I have today yeah. because I had no vocabulary. I knew street language, nothing else. Mm-hmm. 
you know, reading and writing wasn't something I was able to do application forms. No, I'm the one that my, my wife comes to, yeah. to fill out the application form or whatever needs to be done. No, it takes me a bit of time, but I get it done. Yeah. That's a mad, that, that's great for my confidence and yeah. it's a great sense of achievement as well. You know, but it takes time. It does, yeah. You know? And you said there about resilience. Like, I think the whole process of going through college, the resilience that I got through that, whether it be through my personal circumstances and having to keep going or just learning, like in social care as well, they do say it's a counselling service inside the RTG or in MTU for everybody. And it's, they do when you're doing social care saying, look, we do advise if you're going to be supporting people with your problems that you should just avail of that service. And at the time, she was, did you know, everyone thinks oh, I don't need this. And But I did go and I was so glad I did engage and I stayed engaged in it the whole way through because there's many ups and downs through those years for lots of things between personal reasons and stress from college and money worries or whatever. But the, the tools that they gave me to work through them are probably what gave me my resilience now, mm. which then, for example, in my job that I do now when I'm doing an event and it doesn't phase me, to go and do that, you know, I might be doubting myself. Like when I first started here, I got asked to MC a large event for Kerry College, and we had Simon Harris coming down. And it was one I hadn't been here very long, and I walked into the room, and there was like I don't know, two or three hundred people there, and I was like, "What am I doing doing this?" But all the resilience that I'd been taught over the years, and to say to yourself, "Stop, Lisa, of course you can do this." All the, you know, all those tools are still there to do it, and I was able to do it. No. But where before, if you'd have asked me to do something like that before that time, there's yeah. I wouldn't have even spoken a microphone. No. I wouldn't have even stood up and spoke in front of a room full of people. And that's really what I've been doing ever since I went yeah. through college. We'll have to get used to it all because with an accent like that, they're never going to put the Kerry people on the mic. <laughs> 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 uh, we're in Kerry now, James, with a lot of people from Bandit Kerry inside the room. Yeah. We, give up, yeah, we, won't be, we won't get out of here alive, to be honest. You know, to finish us up, have you any advice for maybe any single moms out there struggling, with looking for a bit of direction on new opportunities or even contemplating education? Like, what could you say... Or, you know, that might inspire them or just nudge them to apply even. But just to take the first step and whether that just be talk to somebody who's done a course or like, like for example, even Kerry College, that like they have an admissions office where people can go in and speak to somebody about how to do it. Like, just find out what, what what's there for you mm. and then just take it one step at a time. Find out what's there. Find out what you need to do to apply and apply if you get the place you don't have to accept it yeah. you know you can defer it for a year if it's or doing a degree or something but just take that first step because and they all it is see everything as a first step don't see it as a year or four years just each step keep it, it in the day yeah do you know what i mean keep it in because the day it's just i mean i ever since i finished i've done two other courses i'm on my third one now i'm doing c at cit level eight in digital marketing so like i just haven't stopped and yes i do want to go and do a master's and mm. probably a phd after but i have to save your ruby's college money up first yeah. well if you need to do any project the two hours there might uh yeah. <laughs> we, we could do some digital marketing um yeah. knowledge but we'd be happy to help you listen it's been a pleasure yeah. to you lisa and thank you thank you pleasure so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story with us you know it's uh very inspirational and i'm sure there'll be a lot of people get a lot from it. Um, there was one thing stood out there just before we do finish for me is 
say, for example, if there are people, men or women, mature students in their families and they want to go back to college as a mature student, what I get from it is make sure, because when we jump into things, we, we forget about the financial aspect. Mm -hmm. But if you're going into college, you're going in and you're starting fresh, make sure that you do connect with the, the assistant funds yeah. immediately so you're not putting yourself under any stress halfway through and you know that there is funding there for for for, for anybody really yeah. that needs it. Yeah, because every college will have like a VTOS yeah. officer or yeah. an access team or somebody like that. Yeah, and there's supports for everything for down to the counselling, support services, there's just everything. And you get all this information in the beginning but you don't go through it all and read no. it. Yeah. And you don't find like don't realise where it is until you actually need it but you know it's all there all those things are there and all they want you to do is stay in education they don't want anybody leaving yeah. so they do everything they can to help you it's fantastic yeah, yeah. Thanks, well Lisa. said thanks so much Lisa yeah. thank you Adelina is our guest today how are you Adelina I'm very well thank you how are you we're delighted to have you here we're in a beautiful studio Radio Kerry this is our second podcast today and thanks to Radio Kerry for uh, allowing us to use the facilities we're down we're our friend Teresa from Kerry College uh, and we said, well, we're down here, we might as well get in a couple of podcasts around ed education. So you went through education and stuff like that. But before we get into that, like Adelina, that's not a Trillie name, is it? Certainly not, no. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm originally from Kosovo. Um, my family and I moved to Ireland in 1999 during the war back in Kosovo. Have you any memories of Kosovo? I do. I have a lot of memories. Um, I would have been three going on four years of age when we came to Ireland so I do remember a bit of the war during that time mm, So people that mightn't be familiar with it um, Kosovo was a region which was a part of a wider country called Yugoslavia That's right. and then there was the civil war where the different countries within Yugoslavia Croatia Kosovo, Macedonia they wanted independence and the Serbians didn't want them to have independence and that was the civil war that kind of broke out that's right, yeah. So Kosovo is a very small country within that though, isn't it? It's very small, yeah. There's a population of less than 2 million people in Kosovo, half of which fled during that war in 1999. And what's your memories of it? Now, I do have flashbacks. Um, mm. During that war, um, it was March, towards the end of March, we were at home, asleep in bed. And we were surrounded by Serbian tanks. Our, our whole village was surrounded by Serbian tanks. And we were forced to leave our home. My parents grabbed a bag and we were out the door. Um, we were walking by foot from one village to another um, in search for safety. We slept in abandoned houses that we found along the way. Um, whatever food we could find in those houses we, we used you know, to get by. Um, eventually we got on the train and got to Macedonia. Mm -hmm. and it, 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 like you, you speak about um, having tanks in your village. Mm -hmm. you know, just Was that something that just happened like overnight? Or was it we were expecting, was it expected at some point? There was tanks roaming around. It had been there for a while um, and it didn't feel safe to live there. So even that night when the tanks had come into to our garden and you know, forced us to leave. My parents were up at that time. It was around 4 a.m. in the morning. My parents were, were able to recall that. Mm. And was there, have you many siblings? I have um, eight siblings. Mm. Um, now there was four of us back at the time. And when we moved to Ireland, my family 
expanded. My parents had another four. That must have been a difficult experience, not for all of you, but mm-hmm. for your, your mother and father as well. Not just to protect themselves, but to also protect four young children as well and, and make sure that they're, they're okay, they're fed. And, and, you know, that must have been very difficult for me. Um, yeah, it certainly was very difficult. Now, for us, particularly me and, you know, my younger siblings, we, I suppose, we didn't realise the um, the severity of it to us. We just found it as an adventure, even, you know, mm. going from one village to another and getting on the train and going to Macedonia and the campsites and moving to Ireland. That was just all an adventure for us, you mm. know. But um, thankfully, you know, we got out of it alive. And mm. What about your extended family? You know, your cousins and, and, and aunties and uncles. And yeah, so a lot, a lot of my family members would have fled Kosovo as well during that time. Um, I had an uncle who had to stay back and fight in the war. Uh, my father was not able to fight in the war. You know, he he's physical disability, so um, he done the best he could to yeah. protect us and well, make sure we were job. safe. That was that yeah. was better than fighting in any any, any war. Let me yeah, tell you that. I would say that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, did any of your family members die or anything like that? Yes, there was family members who were killed in the war. Mm. Some were missing. Mm. Yeah. And to, to, like, to explain to people how bad it was, like people might be aware of NATO because mm. of what's going on in the Ukraine and there's all talk about NATO. And st- but the only time NATO ever actually intervened was in this war when they bombed Serbia just to end the atrocities because it was appalling what happened over there. Mm-hmm. But when you came to Ireland, did you go to direct provision or refugee camp or what was that like? Where did you go? So I can recall it was the 10th of May 1999. We flew from Macedonia to Kiri Airport about 11.30pm and we were brought to a direct provision in Killarney and my family and my father, we would have great time for all the Irish people that, that were so helpful and supportive during that time. We couldn't have received a better reception and we're, we'll be forever grateful Mm-hmm. Well, Kerry is your home now, and Ireland is your 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 home. You know, so yeah, yeah we would um, we would say Kerry's our home, all right. Yeah, yeah. And what what better place could you pick in Ireland to make your home? Kerry's probably in outside the Cork today. anyway. <laughs> you sound more Kerry than Trace as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know it's amazing. I'm like, d- did you go into direct provision when you came to, to in Killarney? Yes. How long were you there for? We were there for. I'm not exactly sure of the time, but a couple of months anyway. Okay, so that's not too bad in compared to some of the horror stories we'd hear where people can be in there for up to nine years. And um, what what was it like in school and stuff like that? Did you when did you become aware, like I suppose, of your background and how you were? They had a different background to the people in Killarney and Kerry. So I suppose when we came to Ireland in 1999 and we were in the direct provisions, it was announced that that the war had stopped. And it was safe to go back. So we actually went back home. And, you know, it was far from safe when we went back. You know, our, our whole village was destroyed. Our home was destroyed. Like I said, you know, there was family members that were killed and people that were missing. Um, It just, it didn't feel like it once was. Mm. Um, Like before the war, we were roaming around the fields, you know, happy, happy children. And we, when we went back... There was none of that, you know, we weren't allowed to go playing on the fields because of fear of standing on a landmine. That's, yeah, you know, you can completely understand why any parent wouldn't want their children in that kind of environment, 
you know, I on a personal level wouldn't want my children living in that environment because what you just said there, like you hear all these different stories of bombs being found in fields, you know, from back in World War Two, you know, in England and stuff like that. There could be anything still over there, you know. It's 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 probably not a safe place for children to play. Yeah. So your your parents definitely made the right decision by coming back here, you mm -hmm. know, and, and and making a home for you and your siblings. And you were back over there recently. You said we were back there last um, August September what was for it like? a couple of weeks. Um, it, it's very different to Ireland, but it's always great to go back home. You know, back mm. to your roots. But you know, uh, my image of Kosovo is from the war and stuff like that. It, like what? What way does it look now? Is it more? Is it rebuilt? Is it modernized? Or do they struggle with poverty? Or yeah, there's still a lot of poverty back home, but um, I suppose it is becoming more um developed. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of uh, famous people come out of Kosovo, and now Rita Ora, Joelipa, yeah, and Granite Shaka. I probably yeah. pronouncing that wrong, and uh, Shakiri Zordan Shakiri. There's a few soccer players as well. She's laughing at my pronunciations. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you went through Kerry College, but did did you go into college straight after secondary school? Um, so straight after secondary school, I went and I done a PLC course. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get enough points in the Leaving Cert um to do the course that I wanted to do. Um, so that was another route of entry to mm. do um nursing, which is what I wanted to do. It's great that you bring that up because there's going to be a lot of mainly probably parents listening to this now as opposed to the young people where, uh, where the child, their child didn't get the points they wanted for the course and now it's like, oh my God. And sometimes there can be a stigma around further education, like they're not going straight into university. And it's, you know, but it's like, it probably might be the best thing that happened because... Oh, definitely. I really, I loved the PLC. Um, It was way more enjoyable than the Leaving Cert and... You know, I found it much easier, um, but you know, it really opened loads of doors for me. And it gave you an extra bit of time as well to mature before you actually go to college. 100%. That extra year, That's yeah. a, that makes a lot of difference. Yeah, people, doesn't and it, it really affirmed that nursing is what I wanted to do because I know there was students in my year, you know, when I did eventually go into college that were straight from the leaving and yeah. some were reconsidering their, you know, college, op their course options. Yeah, mm. I remember... I remember when I was I started my first year in the CIT. I was doing a course called Woodcraft Technology with Business. And our class started off with 16 in the class, you know. And there was a lot of young lads from the country coming in from the first time, just left school, finished their leaving, their leaving cert, came into the college, you know. And it was like, it was like they were just left out of the cage, okay? Right, and... They had all this freedom, and I mean freedom now that they didn't have to go home every night at a certain time, you know, their mammy and daddy weren't there telling them what to do. And a lot of them fell out of the course within the first year. I think by year two, there was about four of us left, because so many of them just ended up partying, you know, partying their days away, and um, it, it was a shame to see, and but the course you done there, you know, the further education course, that's the way route I came as well. I think it just allows you to get used to things. The pressure is not too much either. Yeah. You know, I think it, it just allows, it doesn't it? It does, and it gives you a taste as well of what college would be like. Yeah. You know, so it does prepare you yeah. in that sense. And it takes the pressure off the leaving sort as well. You know, do your best in the leaving sort. Mm -hmm. But it's not the end of the world. 
Exactly, it's that's not, exactly it. You know, it's you not know. the end of the world. There's always another route and you can get your points in the further education aspect as well. Yeah. You know, you see so much pressure on young children today doing their leaving sort. Like I have a daughter, she's going on. I keep explaining to her, like, it's okay, whatever you're, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and just do your best. We never give, you know, she's a great kid and whatever. Like, But this is for every, every child and every any parent that's listening to it. Like your child will find a route. Don't push them into a corner where they're completely stressed and their mental health gets bad, you know, because there is the further education route. And I think it's a great step. It really gets the it gets these these young adults ready for the next step of college, you know. It 100%, gives, you know. yeah. And adolescence is such a difficult time, you know, of life and all that stress, you know, that the leaving brings on the teenagers, you know, it's very, you know, it's not mm. good for you. Mm. And how long are we in for education for? Just the year, I done a one year um, pre-nursing studies course. And what did you do after? So while I was doing that course, I was working in the hospital as a domestic. And once I finished then my PLC, I was able to work as a carer. So um, I worked as a carer in the hospital for about three years oh, very good. Um, while applying to college every year until I eventually got a place. Congratulations. Yeah. So, so you're fully qualified. Fully qualified now, yeah, thank God. And, you know, I know those three years, you know, of working, I think, gave me a lot of experience. So I don't regret, you know, not going to college straight after the leaving. I, I feel like those three years really equip- equipped me with skills and knowledge. Yeah. Um, and the sort of combination as well. You could have easily just said, "Ah, oh, it's not, it's not for me, or uh, it's not meant to be." Do you know with the disappointments of the leaving results and then having to wait a few years even after doing the PLC? Yeah, but you stuck at it. Oh, I was determined to yeah. do nursing. Yeah, so that's your dream, nursing. I suppose my dream was to become a doctor. Mm. You know, even during the war, you know, seeing how helpful the doctors were and how caring. You know, and even with my father. Um, being a doctor was my goal, but realistically, nursing was, you know, a more realistic option for me with, I suppose, my language as well, coming in, you know, as a foreign national and having to learn the language from the start. Like, we we came to Ireland having no English mm. whatsoever, so we all had to learn that. Mm. Yeah, and listen, the, the nurses in this country, they, they, need, they need to be rewarded and commended as well for the work they've done there in the last few years during COVID in this country, you know, I think... Big show mm. to the nurses that are listening here today as well. Yeah. That. And they need more than claps at six yeah. o'clock outside your door as well. I remember that the, the government wanted to give them a round of applause. Remember that? It was money that, that they wanted, right. not yeah. round of applause. <laughs> and they dissolved it too. Absolutely. Yeah. But do you know, there's a lot of Ukrainians coming to Ireland and Kerry mm. over the last while. I suppose you could have a lot of empathy for, for people that's oh, uprooted like that. My heart goes out to the Ukrainians. Um, now, it's a year now since the war has happened in Ukraine. Um, I remember hearing that in the news and that definitely triggered, you know, memories and trauma as well. Um, I just hope that the Ukra- the Ukrainians are getting the same reception that we got, you know, when we came as refugees in 1999. And like I said, my family and I will forever, forever be grateful, you know, to yeah. the Irish. Is your dad still with us? Is he still, is your dad still in your life? He is, yeah. My dad is just the rock of the family. Uh, and is the Ukrainian conflict triggering for him? Definitely, yeah, it would be. And, you know, we would follow the news and, you know, we'd we'd obviously be hoping that it's over and that, mm. you know, there's world peace. Yeah. I know. There are certain people around world peace is uh, 
a big ask, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it's just it's just something that the, the good people in this world just have to kind of put their feet down and stand up for the people that can't. You know, like when you look look at the the Ukrainian situation at the moment, and this is where my head is at with it. Like you've so many women that came off to this country with their children, so their husbands could stay behind and fight a war. Mm-hmm. You know, they they weren't trying to run. They were there. They want their country back, and I mm-hmm. think that's commending. Like, like I know, and you know, people have to understand. Like, I know Ireland is a grand old country, like, but mm-hmm. everybody doesn't want to come here because it's a grand old country. People were happy where they were. Mm-hmm. People were happy in Syria and they were happy in the Ukraine and happy in Kosovo and places like that. They come here because they were forced, and that's exactly you know what I mean. Yeah. And if if your your dad probably would have never come here, only exactly. that he had to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Ukrainians are here. They they were grand and where they were. Mm-hmm. Do you know, but and we're the best country in the world for immigrating. Do you know? Yeah, yeah uh, They say we've something like fifty million people, um, of Irish origin living in America alone. Yeah. Know? And you could probably class the other fifty million Americans that say they're half Irish and they're not as well. Wannabes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But have you any advice for a student? Maybe two pieces of advice. One for a young person who didn't get the points they were looking for for the course. And then maybe a bit of advice for their parents. Yeah, so I would say to the student, not to worry, you know, do the best you can do. Don't stress, you know, there's ways around it. Um, And like I said, the PLC is great. Like, it'll give you an insight into what college life is like. And it it will really affirm, you know, if it is something you want to do, it might be something that you completely, you know, hate and Mm. might change your, you know, path in life completely. So just don't stress, do the best you can do. Yeah. And to the parents, you know, I suppose just to take it easy on the kids, you know, at the end of the day, it is their life. I know we can be so harsh yeah. on our, you know, even me with my younger siblings, you know, I'd I'd want the best for them as mom and dad would. But um, just let them, you know, at their own pace and. Yeah, that is good advice. Yeah, that is good advice, you know. Um, and the further education is not an expensive option either. You know, it's not yeah. like you're looking that you need 16 grand to do a, a, a course, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's inexpensive and there's a lot of support there. It's been lovely speaking with you, Adelina. It's lovely speaking with you too. Best of luck with thank everything going forward. No, thank you. And thanks to Radio Kerry for having us and for Kerry College for the invite out. So, see you later. Hi, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.